Welcome to the Define Your Wealth podcast, where we believe that wealth is about more than just the money in your bank account. It's about living a life that allows you to focus on what matters most to you, whether that's building a business that changes the world or having time to just exist. I'm your host, Megan Robinson. I'm a financial coach and accredited financial counselor candidate. And today we're going to talk about the financial roadmap or more accurately, how to create your own financial roadmap. Everywhere you look online, every personal finance expert or guru that you see has their own step-by-step program that they tell you to follow. Some say to pay off debt first, others say to save first and then pay off debt. Some say to pay off your lowest balance of your debt first, and others say to focus on whatever debt has the highest interest rate. It's all so confusing. There is so much information out there, and everyone thinks that their way is the best way. I've got to say, I don't have very strong opinions in a lot of areas of personal finance because, as cliche as it is to say, personal finance is, in fact, very personal. There are very few, if any, hard and fast rules that I believe apply to each individual person's situation. That said, I don't really believe in the idea of giving people a roadmap, quote unquote, to follow. Um, But this podcast episode isn't exactly about that. It's not my step-by-step system or process. It's more so guidelines and questions that you can ask yourself to help you create your own financial roadmap. So that said, there are guidelines. Um, I will give you the few opinions that I have on this and then kind of help point you in a direction of making decisions that you feel good about. Because It's not my job to tell you what to do with your money, but uh, I can help guide you or help you figure it out for yourself. That's my job. That's what I do as a coach, and that's what we're going to work through a bit on this podcast episode. So I'm going to take you through um, a few steps. There are about five, kind of five, well, I say steps, but they're five phases, I guess, if you will. Um, We're going to talk about each one in a little more depth um, as we go through them. So the first one is if you are just starting out on your financial journey, right? This is what this is for. If you're just starting out on your financial journey and you feel like you don't know what to do or what to focus on first, this is kind of the breakdown, okay? So the first step that I always um, recommend or like walk people through thinking about is saving for your emergency fund. So first of all, why why emergency fund instead of paying off debt first, right? Because some people, some financial gurus or whatever out there will tell you to focus on paying off your high interest debt, like your credit cards first before saving an emergency fund. But 
There are a couple reasons that I believe having an emergency fund is imperative before you even think about starting to pay off your debt, right? And the first is you will have so much more peace. I cannot tell you personally how much peace that I have looking at my bank account knowing that if something happens to my dog or if my water heater in my house breaks and I have to replace it or if my car breaks down, which it does frequently right now. (laughs) I've probably spent over $1,200 alone this year fixing my car, Um, but that's besides the point. If anything happens, um, if I were to lose my income, you know, I know that I'm covered. And it is, it is just such a powerful, peaceful feeling to know that if an emergency happens, you can take care of it without having to go into more debt, right? Because that's a big problem that happens if you do focus on paying off debt first. What happens for a lot of people is, you know, they may save a little bit as a starter emergency fund and then focus on paying off debt, but then you have an emergency that happens, so you've paid off a little bit of debt, but you have to go back into debt to pay for that now emergency fund because you didn't focus on saving enough money in the beginning, and then it sets you back, right? And then you get stuck in this cycle of um, having an emergency and having to go back in debt for your emergencies and never really being able to make a whole lot of progress on your debt or not being able to make progress as quickly. So um, the question then is, how much do you need to save for an emergency fund? And this is where I really don't have a super strong opinion because it is so personal, right? You will want to save more or less depending on your life circumstances, right? So if you are really young, if you just graduated college or whatever, you're new in the workforce, you live with your parents and you're focusing on, you know, starting your career, but you live at home or with a relative then you probably don't need to save that much, right? So you probably want to think about what debts you have um, and what any of your necessary expenses are. Like if you're paying rent to your parents or something, you want to take those expenses into consideration when you decide how much to save for your emergency fund. But it's going to be less than somebody who, for example, owns a house and has children, right? So there are a few questions here to ask yourself when you're considering how much to save for your emergency fund. Um, So four questions. The first one is, do you rent or own your home, right? Obviously, if you rent, you won't need to save as much as if you own your home because if if something breaks and you rent your home, then your landlord takes care of it. So the second question is, how many people rely on your income? Does anybody rely on your income, right? If you have a spouse or a partner and you live together, then, or if you have children, then you're going to want to save more than, again, if you're single living alone, right? Third question is, how secure is your income? So if you were to lose your job, Are you in an industry where you could make up that income 
quickly? Like, is there high demand for your current skill set? And how stable is the company that you work for, right? Do you work for a startup or do you work for a big, well-established company? So how secure is your income? And then fourth, what's your risk tolerance, right? Are you somebody who is more comfortable with taking risks, therefore more comfortable with saving less? Or would you feel better if you just had a little bit more of a cushion, right? So those are the four questions. Do you rent or own your home? Who relies on your income? How secure is your income? And what is your risk tolerance? Four questions to guide you into kind of figuring out how much you want to save for your emergency fund. There's a good rule of thumb that you might have heard before. The rule of thumb is that At a minimum, you want to aim for about three months of your necessary expenses. So necessary expenses are your rent or mortgage, your utilities, groceries, gas, phone bill, health and dental insurance, loan payments, anything that you, like if you lost your job, you would still need to pay for, right? So minimum of three months of expenses. What I like to do though, I'm I will I'm fairly conservative when it comes to money. I'm like I don't have a very high risk tolerance. So I personally prefer to come up with that number, right? What are your necessary monthly expenses? Add all those together and then multiply it by 1.2, right? So that's adding 20% to give yourself a little bit of a buffer so that you have extra money to spend if you want or so that you know you have money for anything that maybe you forgot about and then multiply that by three so necessary monthly expenses multiply that by 1.2 right so that's increasing your monthly expenses by 20 percent and then multiply that number by three for three months and that's your minimum emergency fund goal right so again that is just a rule of thumb um guideline for you to use but there's also some level of intuition that goes into you know setting your emergency fund goal it goes back to your risk tolerance and it really comes down to what what feels good for you right as um as elusive as that sounds it really does there is part of it that just comes down to what feels good and what feels like a good goal for you you know do you need to save more to feel comfortable or are you in a position where you know you could be fine with a three-month emergency fund goal or less right But having an emergency fund is step number one. If you're just getting started out on your financial journey, definitely what I recommend. Number two is saving for retirement in your employer-sponsored 401k. So there are caveats to this one, okay? Um... So your 401k is an employer-sponsored retirement plan. Your employer, most employers offer some type of retirement option. You can check with your employer's HR department or your manager to see what your company offers. So the way that this works is 
Um, a lot of companies offer a match on your 401k contributions. So when you put in a certain amount, they put in a certain amount. And that is the reason this is step number two is that it's 100%, potentially 100% return on your investment because it's free money from your employer. All you have to do is save money from your paycheck and they put additional money from the company into your retirement account, which is amazing. But there is a caveat here with what's called a vesting schedule, okay? So vesting means your ownership over your employer's contribution to your retirement plan. So if you put money into your 401k, you always, like, that's always your money, right? You always have 100% ownership over your own contributions. But you may or may not have ownership over your employer's contributions from the start, right? So there are different policies. If, it, if your company does a 100% vesting policy from the beginning, that means you do have full ownership over their contributions from the time that you start working and start contributing to your plan. But if they do something like a graded vesting schedule, that might mean that you have ownership over 33% of what they contribute to your retirement plan in the first year of your employment. And then maybe you graduate to 66% in year two of your employment. And then you're 100% vested in all of their contributions to your plan by year three, right? So that's that's an example of a three-year graded vesting schedule. And then there's cliff vesting, right? Which means that you have 0% ownership of anything they put in your account until you've been working there for a certain number of years, like three years, for example. And then at the three-year mark, you're 100% vested. So you go from zero to 100, right? So that that's the caveat to this second one. Um, investing in your employer-sponsored 401k, it makes a lot of sense if your employer offers a match and if you're currently in a position where you've been working there long enough to be vested in their contribution to your retirement plan or if you plan to be there for long enough. But here's the main caveat. If your employer has a graded or a cliff vesting schedule, and you plan to leave the company before you would be vested, which means before you would have ownership over their contribution to your account, then it might not be worth it. Um, if you plan to leave in six months and um, you wouldn't be vested at all until after your first year of work, then you could potentially skip this one and move on to step three or phase three, which is paying off your high interest debt. So you have an emergency fund in place. That was, that was step one. Step two was you figured out your employer-sponsored retirement plan situation. So you're either investing in your 401k, getting your employer contribution, or you've decided not to do that for now. And now we're on to paying off high interest debt. So high interest debt is anything above 6%. And the reason for 6% is because on average, you can make about 7 to 8% investing in the stock market. 
So if you have debt that is below, that is 6% or less, uh, then you potentially, I mean, mathematically, would probably be better off investing that money instead of using it to pay off debt. But if your interest rate is 7% or higher, then you're better off paying off that debt because you're getting a better return, quote, on your money by paying off your debt. You're earning more, quote unquote, by paying off this debt than if you invested it, right? And of course, the exception is what we talked about earlier if you are investing in your 401k to get your employer's match. Okay, so let's talk about the situation, though, where you have multiple high-interest debts. If that's the case, if you have multiple debts that are 7% or higher, then which debt do you pay off first? And this is something that in the finance world, people have very strong opinions over. If you've heard of Dave Ramsey or if you've tried his program before, then you'll know that he is a big, big advocate of the debt snowball method, which means paying off your lowest debt balance first and then moving to the next lowest balance and so on and so forth um, and focusing on one debt at a time. Then there's the debt avalanche method where you focus on paying the highest interest rate debt first, right? I don't really care which one you do. I really don't. I care the most about what motivates you to stick with your plan. Because even though you might be able to save some money on interest payments if you use the debt avalanche and focus on paying off the highest interest rate first, that might not be motivating. And if you don't stick to your plan, then what's the point, you know? So here's a tool that if you if you're not sure which debt to start with, I recommend using Undebit. Um, so it is undebt, U-N-D-E-B-T dot I-T. And this is a great tool. Um, I'll put the link to it in the show notes for this episode. Um, disclaimer, I do get 10 cents for every person who signs up, um, which I'm pretty sure I have over the last four years of promoting Undebt earned $4.60. So... Um, anyway, I do get 10 cents if you create a free account with Undebit, but Undebit is a great tool where you can use this website, input all of your debts, all of your, um, interest rates, everything, and then use their calculators to see what each method would look like for you. So, I mean, it's really simple to set up. As soon as you put in all your debts, you can click on, you know, debt snowball and it'll show you what debts to pay off in what order with the debt snowball and then it'll show you how much interest you would pay over the like life of following that debt payoff plan it'll show you when you can expect to be when you can expect to pay off each debt and when you can expect to be totally debt free um and it does that for the debt snowball debt avalanche and a ton of other different debt payoff plans is a great tool so if you are confused and not sure where to start with paying off your debts um, I would highly recommend using Undebit. again I'll put it in the show notes um, 
yeah and then from there it like I said it doesn't matter if you pay off the lowest balance first or the highest interest rate first the trick in my opinion and my experience working with my financial coaching clients is to just find a plan that works for you that you're able to stick to but what I will say is don't try the shotgun approach right so the shotgun approach is just putting a little bit of extra money towards this debt and a little bit towards this debt don't do that (laughs) Um, I do have a strong opinion about that because from what I've seen if you try to do too many things at once you're not going to see a whole lot of progress on any of them which is likely going to make you feel frustrated or disappointed and like it's just not working and if you don't feel if you're not motivated if you feel disappointed and frustrated you're more likely to give up and again if a plan only works if you're able to stick to it right so shotgun approach is not a plan that most people end up sticking with it's very demotivating um so I would say focus on paying the minimums on all of your debts except the one that you're focusing on paying off first. Put everything extra towards that debt because that's what's going to help you see progress the fastest. It's going to make you feel good to see the progress and you're going to stick with your plan, right? Okay, so quick recap. We've gone through three phases so far. Starting an emergency fund, investing in your employer-sponsored retirement plan or deciding if you want to invest in it, and paying off high-interest debt. So the fourth phase here, once you have an emergency fund and all your high-interest debt is paid off, you have a lot more flexibility on the rest of your financial journey. Instead of hyper-focusing on just one thing, you can do several things at once. You can save and invest for retirement. You can pay off your low interest debt. Uh, you can make sure that you're covered for insurance, which is something that we should probably should have talked about a little earlier, but we'll talk about it now here in just a second. And save for bigger goals like your next vacation or buying a house or whatever it is that you want to save for. So this is the point where it becomes so individualized that I truly think it can be more harmful than helpful to provide a roadmap. But I will give you some more general rules of thumb. Um, The first of which is regarding insurance. So if you don't already have long-term disability insurance at this point, I definitely recommend you look into it. Long-term disability insurance covers a portion of your income if you're not able to work due to accident or illness or injury or something like that. Um, Depending on the policy, if you're out of work for three months or six months or whatever it is, um, and a lot of employers offer long-term disability insurance policies. So um, it's a good insurance to look into and... Yeah, I mean, having an illness or accident or injury or something where you're not able to work for months or years can be financially devastating. Um, So 
I'm not an insurance salesman or a financial advisor, so I definitely recommend doing some research and maybe speaking with an insurance agent or financial planner to see if that would be right for you at this stage in your journey. And then the second type of insurance is life insurance. Um, you, I will say my personal opinion, I don't currently have life insurance myself um, because I don't have anybody who relies on my income. And if you're in the same situation where nobody really relies on your income, you don't need life insurance, most likely. I mean, again, I'm not an insurance agent and, or a financial planner, but if you have children, if you have a spouse, if you have somebody who relies on your income, definitely consider getting life insurance. Okay, so that's the first part of this fourth phase making sure your insurance is covered. Um, And that's also a topic that we'll probably cover more on a future episode, but just a general guideline. And the next part is, okay, so this next part is about building wealth, but there are two types of wealth that we're talking about here, right? The way that I see it is there's monetary wealth, And there's lifestyle wealth. So the monetary aspect is what people usually think of when they hear the word wealth. And to me, this is about investing in your future. Doing things today that ensure your future self will be taken care of, like in retirement. And there are a lot of ways that you can build monetary wealth, right? Building a business, if that's something you're interested in. Investing in real estate, investing in the stock market. This part is a pretty straightforward numbers stuff, right? Um, And when it comes to building wealth, I personally prefer the slow and steady approach to long-term investing. So that looks like investing in your 401k, right? Which we already talked about. If you have an employer match that you're not taking advantage of, that would be the first step. And then next is opening your own retirement account, right? So there are a lot of options outside of investing in your employer-sponsored plans. You can open an IRA, a Roth IRA, or a traditional IRA, um, or a a brokerage account. You can do a lot of different things to invest and build wealth. But really, opening an IRA is one of the simplest things that you can do. And from there, you still have to choose your investments, but that can be as simple as choosing a target date fund from Vanguard, right? Um, And that's, again, a conversation for a different day that we can talk more about in the future, on a future episode. Um, And making automated monthly contributions. So that is what I'm doing. That's my approach to long-term wealth building, which I will dive into, I'm sure, more on a later episode. Um, But for me... I have a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA. I used to have a 401k with an old employer, but I rolled it over when I left that employer. So now it's in my IRAs. Um, And I'm investing steadily through those accounts to build monetary wealth for my future self. So this is money that I'm setting aside for my retirement, right? And I also plan to get more into real estate investing in the future. 
I've started doing this a little. I bought my first house a couple of years ago, I guess about a year and a half ago, really. Um, And I'm house hacking right now, which means I live in this house and I rent out part of it. Um, I might do a future episode on the numbers breakdown and if it was worth it for me to do this because owning a house can be expensive. Um, But those are two ways that I'm working to build monetary wealth. Then there's the definition of wealth that we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is a meaningful, successful, fulfilling life as defined by you. And this is where saving and paying off your low interest debt come into play. I could tell you that you need to pay off your mortgage because you're paying, you know, X number dollars in interest over the life of your loan. But here's the thing. You might not care about that. I know some people who are perfectly happy with a car loan, a mortgage, and some of their other low interest debts. I know people who are perfectly fine, perfectly happy having a few loans and some debt. And that's fine. If you want to use your extra money to save for a vacation instead of paying off your loans early or save for something else, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, if you find that you don't have extra money to save for anything because of your loan payments and that your debt is holding you back from living your life the way that you want to live it, then that's a sign to reevaluate and make a change. But like I said, I know plenty of people who aren't bothered by their low interest debt. High interest debt is different because um, those interest rates can really keep you stuck in a cycle because they're just incredibly high and predatory but if you want to pay the minimums on your low interest debts while saving for other goals as long as it's a conscious intentional decision there's nothing wrong with it and again you can use undebted the tool that i mentioned earlier to see how much interest you're paying on your home loan or um, and to run scenarios like if i put an extra 50 dollars a month toward my mortgage How much interest would that save me? Um, You can do all of these things. And it, again, is a great tool to help you make intentional decisions so that you know exactly how much you're paying in interest and you can decide what's right for you. But I do believe the same rule of focusing on one or two main things at a time still applies in this phase, right? So you can pursue multiple goals like paying off a student loan while saving for a new car Um, I would just avoid the shotgun approach again of trying to do everything all at once. So for me, what this looks like is I had some high interest debt with very little savings when I graduated college. Then once I saved an emergency fund and I paid off my high interest loans, which for me at the time was, I believe, my car and a few private student loans, um... Once those were gone, I decided to take a break from paying off my debt, right? All I had left was my federal student loans. It was one payment. I was on an income-based repayment plan at the time because I wasn't making that much money. Um, And I continued to pay more than the minimum, but I just didn't focus on aggressively paying off my federal student loans. 
Instead, I decided to take some time in my 20s to take career risks and explore my interests. I worked for startups, sometimes making a good amount of money and sometimes making very little. (laughs) I took different courses and programs. I did a yoga teacher training. Uh, I did a scrum product owner certification, uh, which is like tech project management focused. I did, uh, I hired a personal fitness coach. I hired business coaches. Like I did a bunch of stuff. Uh, And for the past four or so years, I've just been taking a break from focusing on my debt and using that time and money for personal and professional growth. And over that time, I came to realize for me that wealth equals time. So my ultimate goal now is to build a life that allows me more time freedom, time to create, to connect, and to really just exist without having to create or do much of anything. So that said, this next chapter for me is going to be focused on aggressively paying off the remainder of my federal student loans. And that's just because the fewer expenses I have each month, the less money I have to make, which means the more I can focus on doing things that I enjoy and maybe building something that I both enjoy and that makes money. Um, And I'm also just ready not to owe someone money anymore (laughs) other than my mortgage because I don't plan on getting rid of that anytime soon. But taking a step back from my personal situation, all of that was to say that once you have the first two steps down, you've saved an emergency fund that you're comfortable with and one that works with your situation, and you've paid off your high interest debt, and really three steps because you've decided also whether or not you're going to invest in your employer-sponsored retirement plan. The next phase can look however you want it to, right? What's next, what comes next is really up to you. Okay, so let's recap this sort of roadmap episode to wrap things up. So the big takeaways here are, number one, there's no one-size-fits-all approach to personal finance There's no process or system or roadmap that works for everyone. Number two, that said, there are some general guidelines that you can use. Step one, you can build an emergency fund that suits your lifestyle and needs. Step two, decide whether or not to invest in your employer-sponsored retirement plan because you could potentially get a 100% return on that investment by getting an employer contribution match. Step three, pay off your high interest debt. So anything that is above 6%, so 7% and above. Step four, make sure you're protected with the appropriate insurance. Long-term disability will pay a portion of your income if you can't work for more than a certain period of time due to an accident, injury, or illness, and life insurance will make sure that your loved ones are taken care of in case of your death, Um, which only matters, really, if you have family or someone that depends on your income. Step five, 
focus on at least one long-term monetary wealth building strategy. So I prefer investing in the stock market. Um, It's passive and you can use automated set it and forget it strategies. And then step five, define what a wealthy life looks like for you. That could mean paying off your low interest debt so that you can take a lower paying job that you enjoy or making the minimum payments on your debts while saving for vacation and exploring other interests. There's no right or wrong answer. Okay, so I hope that helps. I hope that you got something from today's episode. Thank you so much for being here, for listening, for inviting me into your life, and for sharing some of your time with me today. Um, Don't forget, if you haven't already grabbed the free gift that I have for you, the Define Your Wealth Workbook. This workbook will help you define what wealth today looks like for you and set goals that align with your values and that align with your vision and idea of a wealthy life. So you can grab the workbook at goodbyetobroke.com. That's goodbyetobroke.com slash podcast gift. Um, And I would love your feedback. Please, if you got something out of this episode, please leave a review and subscribe and share it with a friend or family member, someone that you think could benefit from it. Okay, thank you again for being here and I will see you next time.